Hello everyone, welcome to Home From Home, a podcast where we answer your questions with our experiences and questionable advice. We're just two women, wives, and moms who like girls but love God. This is a safe place for real conversation where we will talk about the real highs and lows of life as disciples with added baggage. Can we help you with that? Welcome to your beautifully messy home from home. In this episode, we discuss woke culture, what it means, and how to respond as Christians. We also talk about the pitfalls of modern technology. Welcome to your beautifully messy home from home. Welcome back to the Beautifully Messy Home from Home podcast. Uh, This is Morgan, your host for today. And something we didn't do last time, which Ellen and I both really wanted to and introduced you guys, is at the beginning of every podcast, now that we have our new branded name, we are going to start doing messy moments from our homes. Mostly because we gave ourselves a beautifully messy uh, title. So we figured we would let you into some of the funny, embarrassing, And then you can decide what kind of stories they are. But Ellen's going to kick us off with um, a pretty exciting one. Well, I definitely have a beautifully messy moment um, that happened. I have many, right? Hard to choose. Uh, (laughs) But this one, I would would guess, Morgan, that most of our beautifully messy moments would include like stories about our kids. But I'm going to share one that is just me, my own stupidity. Um, So I actually met, this is probably the first time he's actually hearing this too. So, uh, I met with Topher for him to teach me like how to, cause I'm, I'm like that old, right? Like that old of a soul. Like I don't even know how to like <laughs> use technology. So he had to tell me like, Ellen, your, your sound sounds so terrible on the podcast. Let me meet with you and you know, let's figure out how to make it better. So I met with him. We spent like a good 45 to 60 minutes discussing my sound, how to make it better. Right. And I had like, he told me like, elevate your microphone on all these books, get your mouth really close. So I'm, I've done all that. I do all that, but I, it's like very uncomfortable with this, be this close. Well, today, Morgan, <laughs> today, as we're getting on to film, to record this podcast, I realized my microphone has been backwards for the past like three years since I've had oh. it. And I can't <laughs> tell you how embarrassed I feel about this. Like I seriously, I'm going to have to text Topher and be like, I am so sorry. The problem the whole time was that my microphone was backwards. Like I took 45 minutes of his precious time just to find out my microphone has been backwards for the past three years. So that is my beautifully messy moment as I revel in my shame about this. (laughs) I love it. And my real question to your messy moment is why did Topher have such a... um, a scary voice of you got to put your your microphone like this and raise it up to your I was like oh man poor Topher well, we all know Topher has such a smooth beautiful voice doesn't he so that's definitely not, was not indicative of how he really sounded oh man so good well we hope you got a good laugh uh, before we jump into our next topic today and I I'm excited to talk about this one because I feel like it's a very culturally relevant term for two moms to be talking about. Uh, But truthfully, it is a topic that we get asked about quite often, especially when we're talking to the teen campus young professional demographic. 
And that question is, how do we as Christians respond to the woke culture? So we need to just take a big time out because anybody over the age of 25 is probably not going to know what this means. I know for myself, it has only been in the last year that I have really learned and embraced what this uh, actually is defined as. So Ellen, why don't you why don't you let oh, us thank know? You. I would love to because I feel like describing this term, knowing this term, this very new age term will take away some shame points from <laughs> my microphone being backwards for years. Um, so I actually don't really know. I didn't know either. Right. I had to do a little bit of research to find this out. I know that it's uh, people use this colloquially to describe like a modern mindset of mostly of Gen Z. Right. This is wokeness is kind of rooted in Gen Z, which is, I would say, maybe 25 and below. Right. Or maybe even 27 now and below. I don't know. It's getting older and older. Right. But um, but wokeness, when I looked it up, right, it is rooted in um, being alert to prejudice and discrimination. Mm. So I think, you know, this is really culturally um, pertinent right now, right? We're really dealing with this, especially in the West here in our culture. And so I think sometimes when Christians use the term wokeness or woke culture, it's sort of this derogatory with this derogatory tone, right? Like wokeness is like a synonym for worldly thinking or earthly thinking that is not from a godly perspective. But actually, there's a lot in in woke culture, right? Especially if that's the definition we're going to assign to it, being aware and alert to prejudice and discrimination. Certainly, God would really agree with a lot in that mindset, in that culture, in that term, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great uh that's a great segue into I don't know how we want to approach this conversation because I think when the the ground level is being hand in hand with those um who have been victims of prejudice or those in minority groups uh or yeah, anybody who's who's been in that position, I feel like as Christians Aren't those the people that we're called to love right. and to be in community, be be in community with, and to bring into our homes and to share the gospel with? Right. So that at least I think for me sets the stage of okay. When we're talking about woke culture, I think sometimes we can take these ooh, societal and cultural terms and then immediately assign like our own bias to it. Right. And say, well, that doesn't apply to me. I don't even know what that means. Who cares? But the truth is, is if we're going to engage cross generationally and have conversations, we do need to have some sort of understanding about what this means and a a basic definition. So I appreciate you, you know, sharing that with us. Yeah, I think you're so right, too. I, we talk about that a lot in our ministry overall about, you know, sometimes we do want to tune out the words of the world, right? The terms of the world. And I, to some extent, I can understand that desire of Christians. You know, we do need to make sure we're not being overly influenced by the culture that we're in. But it does, right? God or Paul, God through Paul, right? Tells us we need to become all things to all people. How could we possibly do that if we don't understand the language of this world that we use to connect with people in order to show them God? So yeah, I appreciate that call back to that. But I think too, you know, if we're going to be um, talking about woke culture, I mean, I I could imagine, though I'm sure this term wasn't 
weren't used, but that might be the sentiment that a lot of people, when Jesus walked this earth, felt about him, right? Like, oh, that's so well, right? Like he's too alert to prejudice and discrimination. He spoke with the untouchables of that day. He shared meals with them. He was in their homes, right? And really what we see in large part in his time on this earth is breaking down some of those discriminatory barriers, you know, some of that prejudice and showing us God's love is available to all people, not just one race of people or one type of person, right? And so, I mean, I think, you know, this is nowhere more apparent than in Jesus's final hour, uh, final moments on earth. What happens when he dies? The curtain in the temple tears in two, which guarded the holy space, right? Where only the most elite of the Israelites or of the Jewish people could go. Well, that's a great symbol for God destroying some of these barriers that humans have set up um, that we now see also in our culture, too, that I think God would be equally passionate about breaking down some of those barriers. So I think as Christians, we can all rally around not not every aspect of woke culture, right? Um, yeah. But certainly the basic foundational tenets of it, we could say, are really rooted in godly principles. Great point. And one thing I I definitely want, I think that even when we were thinking about this topic, something that immediately came to my mind was why why as Christians do we immediately have uh, could either either be an emotional or physical response to like, well, why do I need like I don't want to be a part of the woke culture because then it means that I'm supporting everything that the woke culture stands for, right? Mm. And as I was thinking through this, I was reflecting on like, okay, well. What is difficult for me about it? And I think sometimes we, right, if you want to live a godly life and you want to do what the Bible says, sometimes change can be a threat to what we think the Bible says and how we interpret different scriptures and uh, the comfort in our Christian communities, if you will. So then when these topics like woke culture come up, it's oh, now I have to embrace change and this is different. And how do I keep my biblical principles and standards and still live by the Bible when trying to navigate what this means and what's this new terminology and how does it apply to my life and how is it going to impact me? Uh, But I do think, um, in my opinion, it starts really at like an identity level, right? If if I identify myself as a Christian and I know what the Bible says to be true about who I am and, you know, like the truths in the word, then different cultural ups and downs, ins and outs, that's not going to shake me because I know what my roots are. I can I can seek understanding. I can mm-hmm. seek to know Okay, well, why is woke culture important to you? Why is it important to our society? And then like we're saying, like we can take and pull out the godly principles from like, oh, I need to love those who have been mistreated. I need to bring in uh, those who are marginalized. I can do that because that aligns with what I identify as as a Christian uh, and so I do, if if for some reason you're having a negative to re- response to this conversation already, just I encourage you to press pause, take a moment and remember, remember who you are mm-hmm. to God. Remember who your identity is. We're not saying the woke culture is or isn't what we should do or adhere to. 
But we do encourage everyone to re-engage at some point and just consider, just just think about it. How how can we take godly principles that are in this cultural term right now um, and really bring them close? So that has just been on my heart, and I'm like, oh man, I I have to share that. So sorry for the hey, quick no. derail. <laughs> No, that's great. I'm so grateful that you reminded us of that because we do this certainly with this, you know, things that are related to woke culture, but with a lot of things too, we just, I think we feel more comfortable as humans with black or white, right? Like black and white thinking, we like this or that, and there is no in between, no gray, no messy middle. And we're just kind of out of the habit as Christians of wrestling, Mm. wrestling with something to get to that messy middle. And I think that's what was so, um, you know, amazing about what Jesus did on this earth is that he stood in the gap. He stood in that messy middle. That's why he ruffled so many feathers and made so many people uncomfortable. But that is what we're called to do too, not to categorically, you know, say that whole culture, right? All of the wokeness is wrong or all of wokeness is right, right? I think we are called as Christians to wrestle, to find the messy middle like Jesus did. And I love that you brought it back to our identity. When we're rooted in Christ, when we're in the habit of wrestling and finding that messy middle, we don't have to have a fear response to some of this earthly stuff, right? When people start talking about woke culture or, you know, uh, more woke things, right? We don't have to, out of fear, say, get away from me, be quiet. You know, uh, there's nothing good in that, right? And just totally shut them down. Instead, we can engage, connect and debate in a healthy, you know, a respectful way in order to help other people see that messy middle through God's eyes. Absolutely. And and maybe we should have covered this a little bit earlier in the podcast, but I, I do have a question, Ellen, and I'll toss this one over to you. How does the woke, the woke culture and sexuality, wh- where do you see the intersection uh, where, okay, if people are listening to this, right, our whole premise is around sexuality of some sort in your work and experience, what what kind of questions or uh, what philosophies are out there right now that somebody would come across? Yeah, so I think, you know, the the adage I'm sure we've all heard before, love is love, right? That is definitely a, a foundational tenet of woke culture, love is love. And I think there are some um, implications of that that we can agree on we can agree with as Christians, right? Love is beautiful. Love in, in, you know, the way that it was created by God is pure. Two people of the same sex can absolutely experience love for each other, right? I think the the part that we can agree with is that that give, you know, if, if two people of the same sex experience a deep romantic and sexual love for one another, that that gives them, you know, the credence to go engage in that and still abide by God's law. I think they certainly have the free will to do that. But they cannot say it is indicative of the way that God wants them to steward their sexuality or their sexual relationships. So um, I think that's a big part of it. And then I think another one that we're seeing emerge is, um, you know, that you whatever gender you feel, whatever sex you feel you are, that is what you are, right? Sex and gender are determined by a state of emotion, a state of personal identity, and not uh, as, you know, some might say a scientific fact, or even, you know, uh, a God given state of being. 
Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought that second one up because I, I do think that's a huge topic that I know people who are in older generations are so appalled by in some sense, especially in the Christian world, as far as transgender and, uh, you know, gender dysphoria and even bisexual and all of the different labels that we have uh, in our woke culture today. And Mm -hmm. so I do think that it is very critical that we engage in this conversation and just a brief plug for future podcasts. We hope to cover this at some point between Ellen and myself, but I I do. I'm, I thank you for really tying those two together because I, I think mm-hmm. there are definitely some intersections that we're seeing. So let's mm-hmm. um, let's switch gears a little bit to uh, a question of response. So, right. We can fill ourselves with so much knowledge. You could even read the Bible front to back every day. Right. Like you could just be so full of knowledge. But like, how do we how do we respond? Right. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So how do we respond Mm -hmm. as Christians to really love people in this woke culture? Yeah. Well, I think first, kind of like what we've been skirting around here, we have to find the godly principles in it. And I think, you know, sometimes this feels like a stretch and this seems hard to do, but if each of us are created in God's image, we start from there. That is our identity. Now we're going to distort it because we're imperfect. We're affected by sin and brokenness and God isn't. But at the core, at the root, right, there is, there has to be a godly uh, tenant, a godly foundation in some of, you know, these cultural phenomenons we're um, seeing here and now. So I think first we have to find the Jesus in it, right? Find the godly tenant in it. And I think, you know, in Walt culture, the godly tenant is, Every single person is a creation of God, is God's beloved son or daughter. And so therefore, every single person deserves to be treated with kindness, dignity, and respect. And I would even add to that reverence, right? Like God wants us to quake in fear before him also in front of his creation. Mm. And that includes every single person, no matter how they identify, um, you know, no matter what race they are, no matter how they identify in terms of their gender, their sex, their sexuality, right? Like none of that matters. The foundational uh, component of this is that that is a someone created by God and we ought to quake in fear before God's creation. And so that is a foundational tenet in woke culture. And I think one that we can all agree with as Christians. Absolutely. And I you you hit on it a little bit when you're talking about right kindness, dignity, respect. I I think there is a uh, one level deeper too, which is okay, really empathizing with people. Yeah. Uh and I do think that it's we can look back in history, we can look at modern day truthfully, uh and see people who have not been treated with dignity, kindness and respect on all fronts. And I do think that we can as Christians walk alongside those individuals and even look back and really be disheartened. I have, as a Christian, looked back as I've really engaged in reading about other topics and have just been brokenhearted of like, I can't believe people who call themselves Christians have done those things or engaged in those things. Mm -hmm. And I, again, I think even in modern day, we can all say we've seen that once or twice. Um, But I think what we can do as far as a response goes is we can apologize on behalf of other Christians and say, hey, I'm really sorry that you've been mistreated because nobody deserves to be mistreated. 
Uh, so I, I, I'm glad that you touched on that. And I think the more we can embody empathy, um, I think the more authentic as Christians we can be as well, because the more in touch we are with our sin and our brokenness, we see the brokenness around us, we can really walk hand in hand with people who have been recipients of that. Yeah. Wow. I love that. That's so true. And, you know, I think a lot of times Christians were, were hesitant to want to apologize on behalf of how people have been treated, especially by those representing God. I certainly think there's a big, you know, big room for us to do that, to say, wow, you were treated that way and that's not okay. That is not how God would want you to have been treated. That is not how God would have wanted that person to represent his name in that way. And I think too, even if it doesn't have to do with, you know, how people have been treated by Christians, I think that, you know, we can all empathize with everything, anything anyone has been through, right? I just talked to someone today who, um, you know, they were born a female, identify as male now. And in hearing about their past and what happened in their childhood, it's really easy to see why they did not want to continue identifying as a female, right? They were raised by a, a dad, their mom was a drug addict, their stepmom abused, uh, you know, this, this child and their siblings. And then, you know, the next woman that came into her life, was, you know, mistreated her as well. And so there was no right looking at it from her eyes, there was no incentive to identify as a female anymore. Identifying as a male provided a lot of protection for her, a lot of safety. And so though I don't agree with the decision, I certainly can empathize with why she came to that decision, right? And so I think we can do the same as Christians and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe you were treated that way, whether by Christians or by anyone else. That is not how God created you. That is not, he wouldn't stand for that, right? Like he feels protective. He feels angry and grieved that you were treated this way. That's not okay. This isn't the way to handle it, right? Like he doesn't want you to change your gender because of it, but he would not be okay with the way you were treated. And he certainly empathizes with your experience and understands how you got to where you are. Yeah. And you're alluding to something that I, I definitely want to hear more about, which is really finding this common ground and uh, living in the tension of both sides of it. Can you walk us through how do, how do you approach that? Yeah, I think, you know, kind of like what we're working through here first, see the God in it. Right. And I think along with that is uh, as we're empathizing, so see the God and then empathize with people no matter what. This takes a training of the brain, especially when we're so used to black and white thinking, not feeling comfortable with that tension, with that middle ground. We have to kind of fight that urge a little bit to say categorically shut it down, right? We have to say, okay, wait, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to, you know, reframing the godly principle in this. But first, let me find the common ground and agree with what I can. You're right. Every person should be treated with kindness, dignity, and respect. And then empathize with the ways that that person has not been treated the way that God would want them to be treated and let them know how God sees it through their eyes, right? So that's kind of how I try, try to approach it is how would God see this situation, right? He would not say, I don't care what you went through, just don't identify as a man and we'll be fine. That is not the God we serve. The God we serve would get on the ground in the dust with us mm. and cry with us and say, oh my gosh, you have been so marred by this pain. I cannot imagine. Tell me more, right? And that's what he calls us to do too. Now, when once the connection is built and once someone makes the decision to live their life for God, then we can bring in the statutes, right? The boundaries that God asks, asks us to live within. But God never throws that out first before connection. He always connects first, empathizes first, you know, finds the common ground first and then brings in the statutes if and when that person is interested. 
Yeah. And I and I love that you have laid that out so beautifully, Ellen. And I appreciate you doing that because I, I think that there is, um, gosh, when we're talking about woke culture, it really is living in this balance of um, uncertainty, the tension between engaging in culture and upholding our biblical principles. And I think that what you were just sharing and the steps in how to do that, I think gives us some really good practicals to even be able to apply to our life and uh, to, you know, be able to walk away with and say, okay, I can say, I know what woke culture means, what, how it could possibly affect my life. uh, But as a Christian, how I can respond in a loving, uh, godly way. Yeah, I love that. And certainly there's room for us, right? Once we've made that connection and responded in that godly way to then bring in the righteous part of it, right? Like we don't need to shy away from that. And I feel like a lot of Christians too, even talking about this this concept, get uncomfortable because we talk about connection. We talk about empathy. We talk about finding common ground. And then they start to panic like, okay, when are we bringing in the righteousness, right? Like we're talking about grace and love, but when do we bring in the truth? And certainly we don't understand this as humans because we're imperfect, but God is perfect and equally exudes love and truth, grace, mercy, and righteousness, right? So we don't know how to do that perfectly in balance, but God does. And that's what we're called to strive toward. And so, yes, we do need to, you know, um, lead with love, right? Start with love and connection and empathy, but we don't need to negate or ignore truth and righteousness. That is equally important here. And so I think once we've made that connection, we found the common ground, we've empathized with people, then we can clear up any misconceptions about God and his nature, right? Like, Hey, that is not okay. God would not want you to be treated that way. That is bringing righteousness into this for sure. But then also, um, you know, bringing light to the distorted belief or the distorted Mm. perspective that the world has, right? What, you know, it's true that God wants every person to be treated with kindness, dignity, and respect no matter what. It's also true that for the people that have chosen to live for him, he asks us to obey out of our love for him and not engage in homosexual activity or to remain within our gender or whatever the, you know, the distortion is that needs to be corrected. So there absolutely is room for us to bring in the capital T truth, but usually people cannot hear it unless we lead with love. Well, and even to go back to your example of being on the ground covered in dust, right? And that God would come down and meet us where we're at. He wouldn't just meet us and then leave, right? He would say, wow, I can't believe you've been marred by all of these things. I am so sorry. My heart breaks for you. Let me walk with you and show you a way to peace and love and true fulfillment. Not easy, right? And I think that's where we can get uh, so conflicted because we're like, Christianity, I'm doing all the right things. I should be blessed and I should get this and I should get right, like a very entitled mentality. But rather... Mm -hmm. The righteousness comes in that God says, like, hey, walk with me, do it my way, and you will have a rich and full life. And I think I mentioned this on the last podcast, but the one piece that I never realized I was missing was peace. Mm-hmm. The piece I thought I was missing, peace. <laughs> the one, the piece, <laughs> uh, right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I never knew I didn't have peace. I never knew that mm-hmm. I was walking around with so much anxiety and that I could cast my burdens on God and that I could get uh, just an overflowing amount of 
calmness. I could cast my anxiety, anything I was going through, right? I was carrying that all on my own before that. And that is really hard to do um, Mm -hmm. on your own. And so I do think, right, like, again, he meets us where we're at, but then he calls us to live a life with him. Yeah, I think this is really well seen in metaphor. And you and I are in a stage of life where we see this with our children all the time, don't we? So like my four-year-old, he has some big emotions. I just had a parent teacher conference today, actually. And they were like, your son is very in touch with his emotions. And I was like, yeah, he has some big emotions. But when he has big emotions, right? Like the other night when I told him, you know, he couldn't take his water bottle with ice in it to bed because it would sweat throughout the night and make his sheets all wet, right? That brought up some big emotions in him. And he had this big outburst, right? And I said, James, I I hear you. You're really upset, right? You're really upset because you really want to take this to bed. But mommy said, no. I understand that you're upset, right? So I sat, I got on his level. I sat with him. I talked with him through his emotions. And then I let him know that it was not appropriate to express his anger in that way, right? It's okay for him to feel deeply about it. It's okay for him to have big emotions about it. It's not okay for him to be disrespectful about with that emotion. And I think that is a great metaphor for us in God, right? Because we, he does refer to us as his children. And the way that Right. If I, an imperfect earthly parent, can be that tender and find the middle ground with my kid, my own kid, and say, I know you have big emotions and those are valid, but you can't do that with your big emotions. Right. That's not appropriate. If we can do that as humans, how much more can God do that as our perfect heavenly father? And so I think sometimes you're right. We're so concerned with the behavior, right? Get your behavior in line in order to abide in truth with God. And there is something to that, but that is not how God approaches it, right? He approaches us like a tender father and says, oh, wow, look what you've been through. Like we said, in the dust with us, in our pain, right? And then once he's made that connection, empathized, then he can say, look, you can't do this, right? I know you've experienced this pain. This is not the way to heal it. I know it's felt like it's healing, right? I know having that for my son, having that big outburst feels healing. That will not bring about the peace that you want. And God does the same. He says, look, we want the same thing. You want to feel loved? I want you to feel loved. You want to feel peace? I want you to feel peace. This is not the way to go about it. And that's where we come in as Christians and say, I can empathize with the pain you've been through. And we want the same thing. We want you to be happy. We want you to feel peace, but this is not the way to do it. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's incredible. I hope that you have enjoyed uh, this podcast as we have tried to navigate through what woke culture means for us as Christians, what it means in culture right now, uh, and that you're walking away with uh, more knowledge, but also with some good responses and uh, some things that you can do to really love those in your community this week. Uh, so we we are excited to see you uh, back on our podcast next week. Thank you for listening to Home From Home. We'd love to hear your questions. Please submit through the link in the description. Home From Home is sponsored by Strength and Weakness Ministries, a Christian organization that helps to bridge the gap between the Christian community and the LGBTQ community through awareness, education, and support. For more info and resources, go to strengthandweakness.org.